Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Becca Syme. Yes, we have Becca back for the third time. Um, yeah. This is, yeah, this was kind of a, an emergency podcast, I <laughs> felt like. Uh, we, I heard and told, and told Sarah about it, and she listened to uh, Becca's quick cast um, this past week where she talks about being tired. Like, mm-hmm. why am I so tired? And it is so good. And I think it's going to make a lot of people, it's going to be an aha moment for some people. It's going to make some people feel really seen. And we just got on and said, hey, Becca, can you get on a podcast with us? We're going to put this one out because I just think it's so important. And um, I think it'll help a lot of people. Yeah. I hope so anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it's a great interview. And we'll have yeah. links in the show notes too, like, her other podcast, her YouTube channel, and all that. If you want to find out more about the strengths, because we do talk about the strengths a lot. Yes. And if you want to find out more about that, but I feel like most people in the writer community now are aware of what those are. Right. And, and if you're not, strong. you're not going to be lost. Like you're still going to get something out of this. We, we tried to make sure that that was the case because not everybody has done her strengths test or, or uh, I mean, her strengths classes or taken the Gallup strength test, but she does give you a link at the end for a very discounted price. Like I think it's yeah. $10. She said to yeah. take the test. And if you can't do the $10, they underwrite that for you. So yeah, just, so. yeah. Yeah. So, so that's coming up. So, yep. um, what have you been doing this week? Um, just writing the daggum blurb, you know, it's like, <laughs> I finally got it written y'all. I didn't <laughs> think it was going to happen. I thought I was going to have to put the book up with just some bullet points. Yep. But, A couple but, of months on the book yeah. and then like six weeks on the blurb. That sounds yeah. about right. It was, it's a great, I'm very happy with the blurb and just getting stuff ready to release, you know, just do my normal stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's about it. Really yeah. all I've done this week is work on that kind of stuff. What about you? Well, I released the, um, the bookish sleuth, which is the mystery readers journal. Yes. And cool. I, I remember now why I do pre-orders because I couldn't <laughs> do a pre-order for that. And so I was like, Oh, Poor little book. It's just out there all by itself. Doesn't have any also bots. And, you know, and so it just reinforced to me why I like pre-orders and Uh why I continue to do them, even though they're kind of a little work to get set up. But um, I couldn't do it this time because I couldn't get the journal through Ingram Spark to get it approved. I think it's because it's a journal. And um, used to in the past, those could be approved if they, you know, fit within your catalog and customized inside. But um, either that's not the case or something's changed. I don't know. So right. um, no pre-orders on print uh, journal, I guess. So, um, but anyway, that's out. And it also, I realized that it made me under, it made me more sympathetic to people who are releasing their first or second book because yeah. it's, I'm fairly confident when I release a fiction book. Yes. I feel like, you know, I kind of have my audience. I know they're expecting yeah. this yeah. and yeah. Kind of know what the reception will be, right. and this one I was really nervous about, and I feel that way about nonfiction too. When I release a nonfiction book, I'm just right. a little, 
little worried, a little yeah. anxious. Yeah. You know? yeah. So if you're feeling that about putting your book out, totally normal. Yep. You're just, in good company. <laughs> yes. Just go ahead and do it because it's not going to go away. <laughs> yeah, if you're waiting, if you're waiting to feel ready and yeah. D- that's it's never going to happen. Yeah. Just so it, just yeah. hit put, like get it all ready, get it all yeah. done, approved, and then just hit publish. And go. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So that's what I've been doing. And I did have a couple of things to mention. Um, yeah. I did the um, uh, interview with Troy on the water Facebook group. Yes. And uh-huh. so that there's a link to that in the group, but they are working. I've been working with them to do a uh, template for how to write a cozy, uh-huh. how to outline a cozy mystery. And that should be out within a couple of weeks, I think. It'll be included. So oh, like great. when you go into the template thing, it'll come up as one of the templates. So as soon as we have that, I'll put a link up for that. Yep. And then, um, oh, I was also on the Unstoppable Authors podcast. Right. And that came out, I believe, last week. We're recording this August 29th. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to that, it's out. It's about writing a series and um, podcasting for readers. Yeah. No, I will put a link to that in the show notes. That's what I've awesome. been doing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, let's not delay. Let's get to this interview oh. because it's so great. The oh. question of the week. Oh, gosh, yes. Y'all, we're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we're so bad about this. But in light of Becca's interview, which you haven't heard yet, but <laughs> what are some of the things, what are some things that you do to refill your well? like your creative well or just your emotional well or your spiritual well, what are some of the things that you do? We'll put the question in the, in the um, group and you can answer us there. Okay. Now let's get on with the interview. Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So today we are really happy to have our third time guest, Becca Syme. So we've had lots of people come back once or twice. This first time we've had somebody come back three times. So, hello. How are you? Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, just on a side note, this is my favorite podcast. Oh, uh, and okay. so <laughs> I love the, <laughs> I just love this show so much. I'm so glad you guys did this. And uh, so I'm very, very honored to be the first third time guest. I don't imagine I'll be the last, but I'm yeah. very happy to be the first. <laughs> well, you're kind of you kind of are the surrogate of the conception of this show. Yes. So it's just- right. Yeah, when you had the idea and then we chatted about it. And I really, at the very beginning, was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great idea. Because so many, this is what authors talk about. Like, if you're not a a super successful author yet, this is the kind of stuff authors talk about around the water cooler, right? When you get people at conferences and they're like, oh my gosh, I did this horrible, stupid thing. Yes. Uh, Please don't ever do this. Right. And then you get the benefit of their experience, but you know, they have a different experience from you. So it's just a brilliant, brilliant show. And I'm, I'm so glad y'all are still doing it. Thank you. Um, We have so much fun doing it. We do. We love it so much. I know it is a lot of work, but it's a, it's It's still good though. Yeah. Yeah. We We just love it. it. Yeah. We learned a lot. It's really good. So, but since you've been on two other t- episodes, we'll put links to those in the show notes if anybody wants to go back and yes. listen to those. Yes. But let me read your bio before we go any further. And then we're going to do kind of a special uh, format in this episode. It's going to be a little bit different because the pandemic has just made everything different. We just can't mm-hmm. do everything the same. So. Exactly. At holds a master's degree in transformational leadership and has been a success coach, primarily utilizing Gallup's. Clifton Strengths Assessment for almost 15 years. 
She's coached over 5,000 individual authors and creatives through her Write Better Faster and Strengths for Writers classes. Becca is the host of the YouTube QuickCast channel and a mystery author. She lives with her wine-drinking cat in the mountains of Montana. And if you follow her on Instagram, she posts beautiful pictures of mountains and they're just yes. the mountains. Yes. Yeah, where I will say uh, those of us who have been experiencing a different um, biological or ecological trauma this year, we have had fires in Montana for months yes. and today was the first day of clear sky oh that's so nice you know yeah that feeling where you're like yeah. oh my gosh this is it's like it's the blue sky I cried yeah. driving yeah. down the road yeah. just that's a little taste of what we're going to talk about today yeah. I'm not a crier <laughs> <laughs> but the hope for a blue sky was yes. so visceral yes. that it brought yes. me to tears and and that's, that's uh that's kind of a peek into our topic today, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> because, yeah. yes, because the uh, this week you did a kind of special quick cast about I'm Becca, I'm tired, Becca, I think is what the title yeah. is. And I listened to it and just felt validated, felt seen, and just felt like that there was some hope for. Um, moving forward in this really uncertain time. So tell us why you felt like you needed to do this uh, talk and also like what it's about. I mean, I'm, we're talking right. around it, but we have just, so just give us the premise and tell us why you decided to do this. Yeah. the um, Because the pandemic has been going on for so long, um, I feel like it kind of sinks into the back of everybody's minds every mm-hmm. once in a while. And like the, the shared sociological experiences like that, that's really common. Like it's mm-hmm. common for us to just, I can't be on high alert every 30 seconds. And so eventually my brain just learns how to sublimate mm-hmm. that kind of trauma, but it is still tra- traumatic to go through this experience altogether. Um, and so what what had been happening in coaching and I coach people one-on-one every day, uh, every day of the week and uh, uh, all, all authors right now, almost all mm-hmm. authors. And so I would sit across from people and literally over and over and over again for months, it's been, I don't know why I'm so tired. I don't know why I'm so tired. And I literally just sit there and I'm like, do I say the word pandemic because it feels like everybody gets so unruly when we start talking about the pandemic, because we all know it's been going on for so long and no one knows when it's going to be over. And, um, and so I always have this, like, should I mention it or not? Um, and lately I've just decided I'm going to stop. I used to say the word panda bear all the time because I just <laughs> didn't even want to say yeah. <laughs> pandemic yeah. or panini. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I was like, no, we're just going to call a spade a spade at this point and say, uh, and say the word and stop treating it like Voldemort and stop making it feel like we have to not talk about it right. because why we are so tired. It's not just the pandemic either. It's everything that's been mm-hmm. um, like traumatizing us over and over and over again, uh, collectively. And And again, just to be clear, like it's not just the pandemic Mm -mm. and it's not 
only, but now we all of a sudden have this very common shared experience that we can all understand because anybody who's been traumatized by something in the past knows it's so frustrating when you know you're in trauma Mm -hmm. and everyone else is oblivious to it and you have to react like your body's in trauma, but no one else is you know, showing that solidarity. Well, now we're all in this together. So we all understand what it means. Right. Um, and so, so when people would sit down with me coaching and they'd say, I don't know why I'm so tired. And I would say, well, let me enumerate for you all of the things that you have been carrying around on your shoulders for the last, right. who knows how long, right. Your kids are at home for the first time you're homeschooling for the first time. You have to learn how to do X, Y, and Z for the first time. Your spouse is working from home when they didn't used to, uh, you can't go to the coffee shop. And I'm like, do you want me to stop? And yeah. they're in tears already. Right. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes, I don't know how I'm doing all this. I'm like, right. Yeah. But that's also why mm-hmm. you can't act like normal because yeah. this is not normal. Right. Right. So that's, that's why. And I feel like the, uh, it just seemed like it was time to kind of call this out and say, okay, let's stop pretending like we don't know why right. we're tired and let's just acknowledge it and see if there's something we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, it just was so great. And because of what you do, the, the majority of the, well, the whole thing was through the light of the Clifton strengths and right. how, you know, everything, uh, you know, how the different strengths handle things differently. And especially yeah. the, during this time. And so I know a lot of our listeners have done the strengths. Some haven't. So could you just explain the, the kind of what the strengths are? I mean, it, uh, like the categories of strengths and stuff. Mm-hmm. The concept itself is basically that we each have a very, very different brain. Mm. And not only does that difference mean something to like our everyday life, but it means something specifically to like, how am I successful? What are the repeated behaviors that I do with excellence? And that's kind of what strengths is about is it's a codification of that. There are 34 different individual ways and you have five of them. So Jamie, Sarah, and I each have a different top five. But then beyond that, there are these designations that the strengths all have in common. So like there's one called executing, which is a purple color. Uh, and that's, I think Sarah's, uh, primary domain, right. Is executing and I think I'm thinking, more thinking, thinking, ex- thinking strengths. Yeah. Um, so the thinking strengths is another one executing would be, uh, they like to make progress, right. Mm-hmm. They like to get stuff done. Those of you who are high in strengths like that and think, yeah, but everybody likes that. And Becca's like, no, they really don't. They really don't. Not everybody cares. <laughs> um, but executing dominant people um, really care about getting stuff done. Thinking dominant people care about, or strategic thinking dominant people care about uh, working smart. Like I want, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm making the right choices and uh, doing this as effectively as possible. That's a different domain. They're green. And then there's an influencing domain, which is um, I want to make sure that I I strive for something that my work matters and that what I do matters and um, and again uh, the the domain is yellow gold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's the relationship building which mm-hmm. is blue and relationship building people dominant are people first 
So when I am full of relationship building strengths, um, which Jamie has several relationship building strengths. And we can yeah. talk about some of the individual ones because the individual yeah. strengths are important, but yeah. being a blue dominant person right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. and especially the relationship building and the influencing strengths are kind of the two people first categories of yeah. strength. And when you are a people first person right now, you're not only living in your own stress, but you're also living in everybody else's stress. And yeah. so if you think about each drop in the stress bucket is like a little bit heavier of a bucket than what you had to carry in the past in order to just get the normal tasks done that you're getting done. Right. Now you're also, everybody else's stress is raining in on your bucket and that makes it heavier and heavier and heavier to carry, which right. means that just walking up a flight of stairs, you know how, when they talk about when you lose weight and then you like all of a sudden you lose 50 pounds and they're like, well, carry these two 20 pounds, 25 pound sacks of potatoes upstairs. And you're like, how did I ever make it upstairs with all of this weight on my back? That's how people are right now with trauma and stress is that every single piece of trauma makes it heavier for you to do the same exact task that you were doing. So those of you who are relationship building dominant, like Jamie's empathy, right? Um, I feel everyone else's feelings. So everyone else's feelings come around with me. And it's not just something I could be like, oh, I'm not going to feel people's feelings today. Right? No, this is the strongest trait that you have. Yeah. Like this is the thing that you do so instinctively that it's pre-thought, it's pre-conscious. So you can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to care about anybody else's stress levels today. You can't do that. Right, right. (laughs) There are things, there are things you can do to mitigate some of that, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about, but but yeah, and I remember before Christmas just saying, I cannot take one more disaster. I cannot take the collective misery of one more disaster. And then, of course, in February, we had the huge freeze and the entire state of Texas and the South pretty much, but, you know, is in trauma, trauma. and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just an emergency situation. And I'm like, man, this is it's just one thing. And then that doesn't even, that's, that's like this. Thing way outside of me, but then you take in things that are happening in your family too, yeah. because this is, you're not working in a vacuum. It's ha- this is happening to everybody. Everybody's having their own trauma. And if you're, if you're high empathy, it, it really is hard to filter out a lot of that stuff. So well, I appreciated you, you about, saying that so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I feel like I say it a lot, so I'm glad yeah. that the empathies f- still feel like they need to hear it yeah. because <laughs> It is so instinctive. So for those of us who have, you know, the high uh, relationship building strengths, the easiest thing for you in the world is to feel somebody's emotions. The easiest thing for you is to, if you're high in like positivity is another one, is to believe that there's a positive outcome that can happen from every single you know, every single event, um, wanting to be able to see how it can be used for good. Mm -hmm. That capacity is so innate and instinctive, but it also creates, it's right, like kryptonite a little bit too, right? Like in the right environment, this fascinates me about Superman, by the way, in the right environment, kryptonite doesn't harm him. It mm-hmm. helps him. Right. Right. But in the wrong environment and the earth environment, it kills him. And mm-hmm. so if you think about strengths as being very similar to that, um, empathy in the right environment is like Jamie's books, emotive, 
you know, Mm -hmm. um, deep, powerful, like all of those positive things that you get out of that empathy, strength, hopeful, funny, right. All that positivity stuff. Um, but in the wrong environment, that same strength can make you into a non-functioning person, right? Because it's like, I I can't get out of bed, but some of that though, is because we don't manage around them well enough because we're like, oh, it's fine. I always go on Facebook in the morning. It's fine. I can just Mm -hmm. do this. Oh, I can just turn on the news. It's fine. And Becca's like, okay, remember your stress bucket that you're carrying around that makes something like Facebook much heavier to do Mm -hmm. or Twitter or Instagram. It's heavier because then you're being exposed to additional stress and, you know, additional emotions. And sometimes it can be beneficial because it can lift you out of something, but you don't know what you're going to get when you open them. And that's the danger. Right. The algorithm, because we don't know what's going to show up. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting because, because of what I normally look at, I'm going to get more of that collective misery in a lot of ways, because that's just sort of, I, I am a people person, so I'm going to get all of their stuff. And yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that just makes so yeah. much sense. I'm sorry yeah. I interrupted you, Sarah. Go well, ahead. I was just going to say the strengths are so interesting because they, like, once you find out what they are, and I think the next step, whatever your top five or top 10 are, you, you find it out. And then you start to, I've started to realize, okay, this has a positive and a negative to it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, it's learning, like, to lean into the positive part of it and mitigate the negative. And so... I do have a lot of thinking strengths, but I, I'm a number five empathy. So like for me, I've had to learn not, not to watch the news and we'll talk about more of this later and not to get on social media as much, but then as an empathy, I almost feel bad for like mm-hmm. yeah. not. And so I have to tell myself it's okay that I'm yeah. not going to be on Facebook as much. And, you know, cause I feel like, Oh, there's readers, you know, if they want to connect with me or I need to know what's going on in the world. And you have to kind of retrain how you think about things. Yeah. And that's right. just part of it. But it's yeah. very hard yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. But you do say in the, in the um, podcast that you, uh, you say that um, if you turn off the world, you're not being irresponsible. And I just think that's so important Becca, because you know, I mean, like Sarah said, I almost feel bad if I'm not watching people suffer because they're suffering and I need to suffer with them in some way. Right. And, and, uh, cause that's but I've had gift. to do that. Yeah. Like that's well, definitely I mean, hard for empathy. Like one of the gifts of empathy is being able to help people who are suffering, right. Yeah. Making people feel heard, helping them to understand they're not alone, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where that kind of guilt feeling comes from Mm -hmm. is that that is often a role that you're comfortable playing Mm -hmm. when you're in normal life. And and to me, that's the key is like when we're in normal life Mm -hmm. or when I'm feeling okay, because all of us go through periods during the last 19 months where we felt okay. Like I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can handle Facebook and I really am fine. And then I wake up, you know, two or three days in a row and I'm like, I just feel like I can't even cope with the world, that's a signal you're too available or you're too yeah. open, et cetera. Yeah. Um, because your own 
ability to handle emotions as let's say you're high in empathy, harmony developer, like some of those relationship building blue strengths where people first, I have a higher capacity to handle that stuff because that's what I do, right? Like those are, that's what my strengths do, but not unlimited. (laughs) Like it's not an unlimited capacity. And the danger is, and this is part of why I say it's not irresponsible is because when you get to a point where you can't take care of yourself first, like where, where your buckets are empty or your bank of pennies is empty. And we'll talk about energy pennies in a second, but, Mm -hmm. um, you will burn out. Like, and and this is part of why when people are like, I'm tired and I don't know why I'm like, stop everything. Like stop going on social media. Stop, 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 stop doing this. Just focus on building some energy back for yourself again and on being feeling okay again, because if you don't, it's a very short slide down into burnout. And many of us just can't afford to burn out right now because we're not going to come out as quickly because uh, yeah. there isn't a lot of the stuff that would usually kind of help us to come out that, that no longer fills us in the same way. Cause a lot right. of us, what we used to do would be <laughs> like lay around in my house and eat Doritos or something. And <laughs> we've been doing that for 19 months. Yes, like that's yes. not, that's what got us here. That's not right. kind of right. lost its <laughs> yeah. charm, right? Yeah. It has- yeah it's well, lost its charm. <laughs> and the way to get, and the way we would get out of it is, I mean, well, for me, um, you know, I went to several conferences a month, Conference, I mean, a, a year travel. because yep. I could be around other authors and I could, you know, and yeah, it was time I spent away from writing, but it was good for me. It, it was energizing it, for It you, was right? energizing for me. And of course we can't do that now, but what you were saying about, I mean, the reason I wanted to do this podcast is today is because I know there are people out there that are hurting and I want to help them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, because Becca wasn't, yeah, Becca wasn't scheduled to come on. I mean, she's just graciously agreed to at the last minute jump on here with us. But I just felt it was so important because I just know that I know there are a lot of people wondering, like, why are things so different now? Because they're not putting two and two together to get, you know, the big picture kind right. of thing. Or but they don't talk- see how quickly things drain them either. And I know we're going right. to talk about energy yeah. pennies, yeah. which that, help, I was going to say, let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about energy pennies now. And, and Becca, tell us what those are and, and what the concept of that. So for those who haven't heard of spoon theory before, because I started talking about energy pennies before I knew what spoon theory was. And I always <laughs> like to acknowledge, um, in the, in the disability community or in the chronic illness community, there is a theory that has existed for much, much longer than Becca's been around. And uh, uh, if spoon theory helps you more to talk about that, please do. But for me, the reason I always used pennies from the very beginning of when I started consulting was because um, we really need to be able to have a metaphor in our heads that is very easy to see when we're spending our energy on things because what always happens, and this is actually one of the core tenets also of spoon theory, is that we do by nature have a finite amount of energy. Mm -hmm. But until you get into like, if you've ever had a chronic illness before, or just been like recovered from surgery, for instance, you know, you have less energy than 
because, and the way your doctor explains it is because all your energy is going to the healing. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to like build new skin cells and, Mm -hmm. you know, move, um, make your muscles reattach and there, whatever you're doing. Right. Um, and so you have to use less energy to do things in recovery because your body needs that energy in order to heal correctly. Um, and so for me, energy pennies is just a way of quantifying how each individual action or thought or decision that we make, um, costs us something. Mm -hmm. And many of us have never run out of energy before. And so we have no concept of the fact that we have an edge to our plate or a bottom to our bank that will burn out if we use too much. Um, And so when we talk about energy pennies, the reason I specifically use penny is because I want you to think about that just cost me something like Mm -hmm. my decision to get on Facebook is not without price. My decision to Mm -hmm. go um, have sugar is not without (laughs) price, right? There's a cost to that decision. But additionally, the cost is often something that because the decisions are so small, we don't realize that when they add up over a long period of time, that they actually drain our bank account of energy. And so the reason uh, that I talk about energy pennies with the pandemic is because there's a ratio that we're used to in normal life, quote unquote, which is. Um, when I wake up and do 14 things in a day, it usually costs me this much energy, whatever the amount is, right? Like, and right. I, in my head, I'm thinking the energy that I normally have usually costs me that much energy. And now I'm doing half as many things and feeling the same as I would as if I had done twice as many. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why that happens. And it's because the ratio has changed in how much it costs you to make those actions happen or those decisions or choices happen because there's now so much stress or so much trauma. Or again, if you're high in blue strengths where you're feeling other people's emotions, now it's not just your pain that you're feeling, but it's everyone else's. So it used to cost me, let's say a quarter to go on Facebook. And now it costs me a dollar to go on Facebook. And so if I'm spending too much energy in places that it's draining me too quickly, I will not have that energy when I say, uh, need to not yell at my kids when they won't eat their manicotti like that. And then a very, very easy thing that used to not be a big deal for me is all of a sudden making me cry or break down or throw a tantrum because I am out of energy and don't realize it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you travel to a foreign country and you exchange your money and what would have bought $50 will only buy 25. And so it's yep. like, we're in like pandemic, like we have different coins. We have different coins <laughs> now. Different, yep. Different, different currency to, yeah, uh, it just doesn't go to, as far. No, it <laughs> no. doesn't. And we're spending pennies on things we never used to have to spend pennies on. And actually the different country is a really good metaphor because uh, where I live, for instance, we have no sales tax. 
there is no sales tax. So when I go to the store and it says 99 cents and I go to the cashier, it actually costs me 99 cents to buy that thing. Whereas yeah, everybody uh-huh. who has sales tax is like, where is this magic land and how do yes, I exactly? There? I'm not going to tell you, you can't move here. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's Montana. Don't come here. We're fine. Um, but <laughs> Um, but it's like, if you go somewhere you've never been before and there's all these different taxes and I take my stuff up to the counter and think it's going to be 99 cents and it should be 99 cents. And then I get angry that it costs me a dollar 45 to buy whatever it is that I was buying before water bottle. Um, and I get mad about that, but I don't know why. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm getting angry when it costs me more pennies to go to work than it used to. And I get home and I can't write at night anymore. And I get mad about that. Mm -hmm. The reason I get mad about it is because there's a currency conversion going on for your energy pennies that you're not conscious of. And you feel like it should still cost you 99 cents to do that same thing you've Mm -hmm. always been doing for 99 cents, but it's just not going to happen. Right. 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 And we make those assumptions with so many things. Like yes. we're talking yeah. specifically today about, you know, energy and the pandemic. But I can think of times in my writing life when I was like, oh, this book took me three months. So this yeah. book will, you know, and it's like, it doesn't always work that way. And we assume yeah. that right. what was in the past will be in the future. And it's not always the case. No. So, no. Yeah. When I remember Sarah, when you moved, right, like mm-hmm. we, we had this conversation right before you moved because you had recognized that when you do something like that in the middle of a book, it costs you all this time. Mm -hmm. And so you had specifically set up your schedule so that there was a break where you weren't writing while you were moving. And most people wouldn't think to do that because they'd be like, Oh, how hard is it? You're just moving. You're fine. Right. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 sweetheart. No, 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 no. No, I've moved so much. I've tried it the other way. It didn't work. So Becca, I can hear people now saying, but I need, I have to get these, I have to get this stuff done. I have to have so so many books or I have to get all this stuff done. I mean, what, what do you say to them? Because I've done that. I'm like, I have to get this done. I mean, it's like my livelihood. I know what I would say, but, but what would you say to that? So I would say, um, what you can't change. So there's, there's something in my coaching that we call an unrealistic expectation, mm-hmm. which means that um, if you're, if you could see my hands right now, I'm making two fists in the air <laughs> and I'm going to pound them against each other because uh, their one expectation is that I should be able to do all the things that I have done before. That's the unrealistic expectation. That's one fist. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that my other fist is reality. Mm-hmm. So what I can't do is expect to be able to have those two meet and one of them not hurt. Because mm-hmm. if reality means that this cannot happen, you are not able to change the currency conversion that your energy pennies are currently going through. The ratio has changed on you. That is reality. Mm-hmm. So either you do have choices though, right? Either. Right. I have to do less stuff in other arenas so that I can do the writing. Um, And and I have some suggestions about that. Mm -hmm. Or I have to do things that will make more pennies for me. Mm -hmm. 
so that I can have more energy. And honestly, the two things, the two options might be the same actual actions. Right. So like I may have to stop taking people's phone calls in the morning before I start working. I may have to not be able to spend an hour and a half futzing around on social media because um, I used to be able to do that and it was fine. Right. But it's not normal time right now. Like we're in a different time. So your currency conversion has changed. Your ratios changed. You may have to change the activities that you do because the things that you can't change are reality, right? Like I can't change yeah. the fact that the ratio is different. Right. Um, even in a time machine, probably I would say probably not going to happen. Right. Um, but I can't change the ratio and I can't change the fact that I need to get these things done. Right. right? So like, but I would say so often we have this black and white thinking about what these things are. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but I don't want to accept reality, Becca. I want to continue like this is not really happening. And I would say, well, you can't do that. But what you can do is instead of taking these things as one big ball Mm -hmm. and saying, I need to do all of these things exactly the way that I've done them before, which can't happen. So let's separate these things apart and see what really needs to happen and what really doesn't. So just as a, for instance, um, I may be doing a whole ton of advertising because it used to work really great for me. Mm -hmm. And I might have like six or seven different platforms that I'm running ads on right now, but it's taking me a lot of time and energy to do. And am I still getting the same ratio of reward that I used to? Is it possible for me to do ads less and write more right now? Because the writing does probably still need to happen. And I can't continue to do everything that I was doing in the past. And some of us need to have that black and white thinking called out so that we don't just keep pounding our head against the wall and then eventually burn out or lose our career completely. Because again, the ratio has changed. Mm-hmm. You will not be able to do what you have always done if you are experiencing this. So we have to accept that reality and then figure out like, well, what, how many pennies do I have left right. and what really, really needs to happen with those pennies? Right. Do right. I need to keep cooking all my own meals? Do I need to keep doing my own grocery shopping? Do I need to keep cleaning my own house, like just little things like that right? can sometimes be like, oh, let's pull those activities off and give them to somebody else. And then let's deal with what's left over. Right. Very good. Very good. Well, speaking of black and white thinking, so um, the idealism strengths, you yeah. talk about them. And so talk to us, because I know there are people going, okay, I like people, but like, they're not on my mind all the time. So <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm not like Jamie. So, um, yeah. or I don't like people. Or I don't like those, people. Well. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, so, but let's talk about idealism strengths and how that black and white thinking can sometimes be an issue for them. Yeah. So, almost all of the strategic thinking strengths are idealistic on some level. Mm -hmm. There are very few of them that aren't. And then additionally, there are a couple of the executing strengths, um, achiever and belief specifically 
Um, and then additionally, there are a couple of influencing strengths, um, significance, competition that are often, and, and sometimes wound communication um, that are idealistic. Mm-hmm. So uh, positivity also is idealistic. So when you have an ideal that you're shooting for, you have this almost compulsive black and white thinking that goes along with it. Uh, um, the, the, what I want becomes the ideal or what could ha- what could happen maybe also mm-hmm. becomes the ideal. And then I get so locked on to that ideal that I'm just not able to see that there are shades within that, mm-hmm. that I will work with if I have to, but because I'm so focused on this ideal. So let's give an example. Um, let's say I normally write two books a year and I decide I really would like to write five books a year, which usually Becca would be like, mm, um, two and a half times what you normally write, what's changing, right? Like what's changing? Cause you're not likely to get that much faster just by applying productivity techniques. It's just not likely to happen. Right. right. Um, but so let's say that I set my sights on this five books a year. And now I'm so obsessed with writing that much a year that I start to attack everything that I can, learning, taking classes, figuring this out, following other authors, spending all my time in Facebook groups trying to learn all the secrets. Meanwhile, not writing. Like I'm not actually sitting down to write. Right. And so I'm actually getting slower than I previously was because I'm hooked on to this ideal. There has to be a way, Becca, there has to be a way to write five books a year. If I've only written two a year and, and Becca's a very mean person because she would say there, there probably isn't like if you've, especially if you've tried dictation, that's the only thing I've ever seen before. That's actually made people get that much faster and not everyone can dictate. So if you try dictation and it doesn't work and you can't get that much faster, but then you spend all your time chasing this ideal, meanwhile, completely kneecapping the very reasonable two books a year that you could have been writing and aren't because you're chasing this ideal and you're not willing to accept that the ideal may not be possible. And again, I'm not... uh, advocating for, there are certain people who shouldn't lower their standards, right? There are certain people who they're going after higher standards is actually beneficial, but that's not the case for 85% of people. Like it's a very rare person who just should completely question the premise of realistic, uh, realistic goals. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have latched onto the ideal and I'm now not even close to what I could be doing because I'm so connected to this ideal. And this happens in more than just writing speeds, right? It happens in everything. It happens in my sales conversion numbers. It happens in my whatever. There's all these places where my inability to stop black and white thinking keeps me from being able to accept things that are real so that I can just move past them. And these are the people for whom, you know, they spend years and years and years and years just not accepting that it's not possible for them to do something because insert reason, whatever it is. But that reason has created 
an inability for them to see nuance and variance. So like, well, okay, what about three books a year? Like, what if I can't do five, but what if I could do three by stopping chasing the productivity crap, by stopping being on discord, by stopping being in all these Facebook groups all the time? What if you could get three books reliably done instead of one, because you're trying to do five? Like that's that just seduction of black and white thinking in idealism in an idealism strengths way where the strengths are making you be idealistic. They're making you want to push towards this thing, but there's no limit. Like it's kryptonite for you right now. Mm -hmm. Very good. I, I I actually fall in that category as well. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's a wonder I get anything done, but yeah, I do because, you know, I think, Oh, well, you know, I just, I have this idea, like even with word count, I'll do it with word count. Like I have to, I'll set myself a word count per day that is doable for, and even doable for me, but it's not doable over long periods of time. And I know that about myself, but I just am looking at the calendar going, if I did this many, you know, this, and then what happens is I can't, And then I burn myself out like in a short, like a little short burnout thing. And then I just sit there for two or three days. And then, and I could have been, I could have gotten the same amount of words in if I had just done my normal word count and yeah. Yeah. And not burn myself out doing it. So I do, I do that all the time, all the time. Oh my gosh. So um, you were talking about people that shouldn't lower their productivity who are those people and and how is that helping them during this time yeah so there are several of the executing strengths like the purples Uh where work actually helps you to cope um and and it helps you to shut things out uh to be able to lose yourself in the work and these are uh, you hear this story a lot from people right where it's like oh my son was in the er and you know to help me cope i just pulled out my my laptop and uh wrote while he was having you know surgery or something mm-hmm. and um when when you are that person who copes with work you will have a history of doing it like it right. will be something that you've always done in the past high discipline, high focus, um, high achiever, sometimes high responsibility. Although with high responsibility, um, not all trauma is as easy to shut out. Uh Um, But there definitely are strengths, high consistency uh, that are benefited by trying to shut everything out and compartmentalize everything and just work and not pay attention. And so there are people who will be more productive by nature during the pandemic um, because now all of the distractions that they used to have like parties and uh, travel and this is me, right? Like I am this person. I don't have to travel for conferences and speaking anymore. And I've gotten so much done because (laughs) I can afford to not travel right now um, where I, I won't be able to do that when it goes back to normal time. So Um, you know, taking advantage of that, if you are that person is awesome, but also knowing you don't have to feel guilty about being that person. It doesn't mean you don't care about stuff. It just means you're wired differently. And then if you are not wired to do that, Uh trying to do that is not going to help. So for instance, the things that we said earlier about not going on social media and things like that, that is not a never, ever go on Facebook again. 
right? right because right. the high empathy, the high developer will communicate. They're not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to shut people out forever. Mm-hmm. Um, they will start to feel unfeeling and uncaring if they don't connect. But do you have to connect so much that it drains you? And do you have to connect before you work, which is often the the time when it is the most derailing is mm-hmm. when I get on and I feel all these feelings uh, and and now I can't write because all the things, and and this happens with thinking strengths too, right? That in election, if I'm thinking about, you know, um, Ed Asner just died and now I can't stop thinking about Ed Asner and all these movies and all the things that are rolled up into that, all of that for me emotionally. And now my intellection is going to have a field day, not writing this afternoon, even though that had been my plan. Yeah. And because I'm Googling to see who he was married to, how many kids he yep. had. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, we're wanting to watch one of his movies, right? Because yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, because now I'm like, oh, I want to watch up again because yeah, that, yeah. and now I can't stop thinking about it. Right. So yeah, yeah. it would have been better for me to just not have gone on Twitter before I wrote because he's not going to be any less gone in four hours. <laughs> He'll be the same amount of gone. And I don't need to be the first person to know about it. I would be okay not knowing for four more hours if it meant that I could get that four hours of work done this afternoon and then go on Twitter and talk about how he looks just like my grandpa. And we used to watch all these movies together, right? Like I have all this connection Mm -hmm. that now my intellection is going to take me off spiral and because that's what I was trying to do right before I came on here was I had my manuscript open and I kept trying to work and I'm like, I just, I can't. So now I have to try to find clearing in election clearing, which takes so much time and it's so hard. And it doesn't always work because depending on how deep the thoughts have gotten by the time you get to the clearing, Uh it's like, well, no amount of showering, driving, listening to music, you know, talking to my friends, none of that's going to help. Now I just need to go watch like, you know, up on repeat. Just get out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you talk about that. We need to find small ways to relax. Like how, how does that help us? How does that, um, I don't know. Can mitigate some of the issues that we have from all of this that would help us. Yeah. The first thing we have to do is find ways to relieve tension. Cause a lot of us, like even just now, everybody relax your shoulders, yeah, right? <laughs> relax your shoulders, unte- like um, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and push so that your jaw loosens and then drop your jaw. Right. Because we're all. Uh like tensing all the time because we're, and it's subconscious. So some of it is that we just need to untense regularly, however you do it. And I'm a big fan of things like uh, on the quick cast, I showed everybody my little head massager. Yes. Yes. Where like, I put that thing on my head and it's just like automatic, you know, all my muscles just go, okay, but now we're okay. Yeah. I feel okay. (laughs) But there are many ways that that, you know, many different things that can cause that um, to happen. A a lot of people are normally are exercise people, but because they couldn't do something. And again, this is black and white thinking, well, I can't go to the gym, so I'm just not going to exercise anymore. I'm like, well, can you just walk in place in your living room? Well, it's not going to be the same Becca. I'm like, 
I know that, but it's better than nothing. Right. Like stretching yoga is better than nothing when it comes Mm -hmm. to, well, I can't go to the gym right now. Okay. Got it. Fine. But just do a little something because in the same way that the energy pennies get taken out in a higher ratio from your bank when we're right. all in collective stress, right. it also does not build pennies fast enough to do things that we used to do that don't fill us up as much anymore. Yeah. So a lot of us don't enjoy reading mm-hmm. on the same level that we used to mm-hmm. because it's not filling us up in the way that it used to. And we need to find other ways to make pennies. Um, and I always encourage people, if you have taken the strengths test, this is one of the things we talked about on our Patreon last week was that take your test, take your full 34 report. And if you don't have this, uh, the test and want to take it, just come to my website. I'll give you the link at the end and you can take the test. I just want everybody to be able to have access to this stuff. But, um, if you are already have taken, take your full 34 Take the individual strengths definitions, which by the way, are individualized just for you based on your full 34 report and start reading all of the sentences in your individualized definition and looking for things you can do that will fill you up in a way that you may not have thought about. So here's one example. My number one strength is input. That means I like to take in a lot of information and research and all that stuff. One of the sentences in my uh, report was about liking large vocabulary words, like new, big, challenging vocabulary words. And the sentence was about something like, um, you enjoy finding new ways to say things because I also have communication. And I was like, wow, I realized I've been reading really non-challenging books lately. Like I've been reading the pop psych sort of not, not that they're not still interesting, but they're just not as challenging. There are no words in a pop psych book that I haven't heard before, unless they're science terms. Right. Whereas like I'm used to reading a little bit higher level academic type stuff. And I haven't read any of that in like a year. Mm -hmm. So I immediately went to my TBR and I just switched stuff around in my TBR. I'm like, Oh, I'm pulling that book up. Oh, here's that success psych book. I've been meaning to read. I'm going to start re- and immediately, and I can even feel it right now, just talking yeah. about it in my chest. Yeah. I can feel myself getting excited about the challenge of those books. And I hadn't been allowing myself to read them because I felt like I needed this comfort. Right. right? Like I was like, oh, I'm in trauma. I need comfort. And I'm like, but wait, but wait, but wait. We still need to challenge ourselves. We still need to grow. We still need to move forward and become smarter and become better. Like just because we're in trauma doesn't mean we can't still be completely successful. Like our, our bodies and systems are extremely resilient. You can do both. You can be traumatized and also succeed at the same time. Thank God human body and brain are amazing. Right. Uh, Just amazing. Um, But if you look at your full 34, look for those places where these are things that I have forgotten that I even like to do and things that I would not normally just be like, oh, I think I should read a really challenging book today. Like I wouldn't think of that in the middle of the pandemic. Um, But when I look at my report and I remember my old self, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh yeah, old Becca really, really loved to just read a super obscure 
almost like academic style book that right. just would make me walk away and be like, I feel smarter now. Right. Like, right, right. 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 I need to do yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. I think you're right too, though, about how we we're holding a lot of tension and we don't even realize it. Like the other day, you know, those uh, broadcasting tests that come on the TV oh, yeah. that we used to ignore all the time. I almost broke my leg trying to get from my office into the living room because my daughter and grandson were in there to make sure it wasn't a real disaster. Yeah. Like it was a real thing. Like what is happening now? And, and that is yeah. just living at level 10. And yeah. so you're right. So if you, if you can find those things that give you that joy, you know, that just is going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah. That's so such good advice. Um, but so Sarah, do you have anything else you want to ask Becca? Cause I think uh, no, coming up on the hour. We did most of the things we wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. And um, I think like the main thing was, do you have any other like advice? Um, yeah, like where do we need to land on this? I yeah. just, yeah, I think that's the big yeah, thing. Where I would land is most of us are not doing okay. No. Like we may look, we may smile, we may look fine. We may still be releasing books. But I cried because there was no smoke in the sky this morning. You guys, yeah. I don't cry about anything ever. It's yeah. just not me. Yeah. Right. And little tiny things like that. Like I get more annoyed when my family does things uh, that bother me that I didn't used to get annoyed. And we really need to have a lot of grace for ourselves and just relax our shoulders and drop our jaws more often. And if you are currently feeling like I can't afford to take the time to do these things, I would say you can't afford not to not at this point. Yeah. Because if you're at the point where you're that far that you just feel like you're already in trauma, you have to take a, a you have to take a break and take a breath and make some energy pennies. And it might not be doing things that we would classically think of as relaxing. It might not be watching Netflix because that might be making it worse. Yeah. It might be, I need to get up and start exercising again. It might be, I need to challenge myself and do something, um, you know, more than I have been. I need to get in the car. Like some of us literally need to get in the car and drive for a couple of hours and be by ourselves and think. And if you're, if you're used to getting thinking time and you're not getting it because your whole family's around you all the time, I really need you to get out of the house and be by yourself and do some thinking somehow, um, because you need that. Like when you have a need for something, you just have it. It's not going away because you can't get it. Right. You're going to, it's going to require you to take it at some point. Right. And you might find too, like I would get my thinking time during the day. Like I was here alone. I was working, I was thinking, you know, but now everybody's here and, you know, I can't tell you the number of conversations I'm making quotation marks with my fingers. My husband and I have had about how I'm not paying attention to what's going on or what he's saying or what anybody else is saying or what, but it's because I'm still thinking, I'm still thinking. It's just that they're all around me now. And it's like, I live in my head 
I never realized how much in my head I lived because there wasn't anybody around to go, hey, you're not paying any attention to me. (laughs) Or I just told you that five times, you know, because I'm still trying to do the things I was used to do, but things are different now. Things are different. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been great. I just appreciate you so, so much coming on and helping us with this. And so tell everybody where they can find you and where they can get all your courses. I mean, Becca has so much to offer and I will say this because she won't, but so much to offer. And it's, you know, it's all excellent. It's all going to help you, but um, it's not, you know, nothing is like enormously expensive. You have a lot of free resources and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I just feel where like, to go to get started. Yeah. Like if they're interested yeah. in the strength stuff. Right. Oh, right. And actually, if you haven't taken the test yet, yes. come to betterfasteracademy.com and there's a little um, link click at the very top of the website that says, if you're here from a podcast and you want to take the strengths test, click here. Uh, so if you haven't taken the test yet, you can do that. It's going to say that the test costs 10 bucks because it does have a cost, but we're fully willing to underwrite it for anybody who can't afford to pay the $10. Uh, please don't let that stop you. Like it's not, uh, it's not a hardship for us. We're more than happy to underwrite it if we can, because I do think this information is necessary to get in people's hands. I just think it helped. I have yet to see people who have genuinely approached it like as a helpful tool that it hasn't helped yeah. um, because it's just the the way that they created this test and you can learn more about this in other places, but the way they created this test that the research they did was so exhaustive because they were specifically looking for what the patterns were. They didn't have a pre-decided uh, expectation about anything. They wanted to discover what the patterns were. So they did extremely exhaustive uh, research on successful people and then they found the patterns. Mm-hmm. So the patterns exist there and we just want to help you find them. So betterfasteracademy.com uh, you can take the test. And then there's also a link to our QuitCast, Q-U-I-T-C-A-S-T that's on the top. And that has all the free uh, resources uh, on our YouTube channel. And we talk a lot about burnout, writer's yep. block, uh, and all that kind of stuff as well. But we also just talk in general about author success. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I not writing as fast as I want to? Why is this happening? Why am I not selling the way that I want to? Like, that's a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now um, on the the quick cast. And so that's probably where I would send everybody first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. That's great. And I think I, you know, we know a lot of people who have taken the test and I don't, I, like you said, I don't know anyone who has taken it, which, and it hasn't been eye opening, you know, mm-hmm. because it just gives us knowledge about ourselves and it gives us a vocabulary to talk to each other about it. I just think it's fascinating stuff. So yeah. we both highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah we yeah. do. I love it. Yeah. Yep. And thank you both for having me on today. The, sure. As much as the the topic is, you know, like we have to talk about the pandemic, yeah. but also, you know, you're talking about it here with three people who really care about you as a person. Yeah. And yeah. I know all of our collective strengths well enough to know, like, there's a reason why the three of us do the work we do in the author space. And it's because we're all also 
authors Mm -hmm. and we care a lot about authors having an easier time than they have had before um, because we, we want to make sure that we're all okay in the industry uh, because when we're not okay, uh, it is a very, very hard place to belong Yeah, this industry. And so we're all here to make your life better. And we all actually care about you as individual people. Yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm really, really pleased and honored to to be here with you two today. Uh, thank, yeah. you. thank you. Thank you for coming on. We yeah, appreciate we it. appreciate it. Yeah. So we'll have all the links at wish I'd known them podcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast. And thanks for listening today. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.